everybody and welcome to the newest episode of the p's and q's podcast i'm parth and i'll let uh q introduce himself yes sir good afternoon ladies and gentlemen or night or morning or whatever you choose to listen to this podcast <laughs> uh it is i mark Wilfrip owens i'm sure whatever the time and date you choose to listen to the podcast the weather will remain the same I don't know if you guys ever seen that episode of Family Guy where they turned it over to Ollie for the weather report. Weather report. He said, it's raining. Cats it's raining. <laughs> That's yeah, a classic, man. It's bro. It's raining bad, man. It is raining bad. It He's got terrible. the yellow jacket on, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, dude. I mean, metaphorically, physically, whatever you want to say, it's been awful in Philadelphia. It's just awful. Went to the Sixers home opener, lost that in wonderful fashion. Eagles lose. I mean, I was just, I was thankful last weekend that there was no Gator game and then, you know, just got absolutely just stomped on by the Sixers and the uh, Eagles. So that's where I'm at. How you doing otherwise? Well, I was pretty good. You know me, my Buckeyes. Buckeyes did pretty well for me last week. So I had high hopes going into Sunday. I'm like, I mean, it couldn't possibly go that bad. I mean, the Raiders don't suck, but they ain't. Then before I knew it, and it was even worse because I had to work during the game this week. And I mean, it wasn't like I was going to miss the game. So I'm over there trying to work, and I got the game mm -hmm. streaming. And I'm just looking, and I'm like, customers coming up and I'm looking so dumbfounded and they like you okay and I'm like the score is 30 to 7 how did it happen I, like it, everything just happened so fast brother so fast so fast oh. dude it's just like we made the Raiders look like 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 the 1970 Dolphins like what was that like I just I don't I, I, like you said like they're not a bad team by any means. They're a good team, but they're not some like great team where they should be putting 30 on our head, like just easily. And it, like you said, it happened so fast. Like we were out of the game before we knew it. It was just, it was just over like that. And dude, I thought, you know, maybe with, we had the worst game against a tight end against the backup, like Waller was out. So we just let, was it, is it Moreau? Right. Yeah. Dude, he just was toasting us. I just, everything that could go wrong and that has gone wrong with this team went wrong in that game. And we saw exactly what happened. The holes in the roster, the holes in the coaching, Jalen's just youth in everything. I mean, I, I just, the defense, I mean, we've got into it so much, but it's just so stagnant. You know, and I get JG wants to do his thing. I get that he doesn't have the correct personnel and everything. But, dude, do something a little bit. You know, it's like you're poking him with a stick and you're like, come on, do something. And it's just like, 
where did we go wrong <laughs> as an organization? I don't get it. I just, uh, there was so much hope going into the season. I think we, most of us acknowledge that, you know, maybe we'll make the playoffs if we're lucky, you know, but we were a long shot and that this year was about building and learning. But man, dude, maybe we're just Eagles fans and we keep getting our hopes up, but it just, I'm, I feel like we're just not seeing signs of growth or anything. We're just not seeing positives. Why don't you get into it a little bit? So, as you said, man, sometimes it's just hard to, to see it when it's right in your face sometimes. I mean, as we as we acknowledge, as I like to say, doing the part often, it's during the 17-game season, it's hard to remain humble on the big picture considering how terrible everything is going. But, I mean, it just goes in the show, just like Sirianni said, and I mean, I know it drove everybody crazy online about his whole flower reference. But I mean, it, let's be real. It's being honest. He basically yeah. saying we, we're in the soil now. We're not really good right mm-hmm. now. And that's OK. Well, I mean, he literally said we all want results. Nobody wants results more than they, more than they do. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's true. You think they, they're satisfied going into the games looking like they don't? Like you think they just go there like, all right, guys, let's think it up again and go home. Let's nah, go on TV man. and get embarrassed. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. So, you know, and, you know, I, I understand. Go ahead, man. Yeah, man. Sorry to interrupt you, but just the, the flower thing. It just, I saw all the hate too. I I don't get it. You know, I get Sirianni has left some to be desired. Lurie said at the beginning of the season that he's excited about, or was it Howie? Whoever it was, that they were excited about the coach that he could be. You know, I personally appreciate these types of answers, you know. And like, yeah, it's a little bit of like a metaphor and you got to think about it, but would you rather have like a Belichick answer where he just tells you, we'll figure it out. You know, like I like to see, you know, every once in a while you'll get Belichick or Saban or one of these guys to open up and they'll give you like some great nuggets or something. But, you know, I personally appreciate Sirianni being authentic and being himself and just, you know, being just real about this. And it's a great, uh, it's a great uh, comparison as well. Like you were just mentioning we're in the dirt right now. We need some more fertilizer. We need to keep putting in the work and it's good. I, you know, yeah, I just, I think that type of positivity from a coach and him taking this type of different perspective, I think these dudes really do like, him. and I think that they, they, they play hard for him. even in games. Yeah. We are like the garbage time Kings. You know, I, I see it on Twitter every day and it's true. Jalen's a QB 13 or 14 every other quarter and then the fourth quarter he's QB1 for the year so you know it doesn't really surprise me that that's what we've come out as but you know even though we're playing against prevent defenses and everything the team's still playing hard and and that's sometimes hard to do especially in a season like this but yeah go on sorry I had to just talk no, you good that. man definitely definitely brother you good it's just like as I was saying man we're in the dirt right now but just like the flowers sometimes it takes time to grow and I mean, just even when you listen to like the players talk about it, you heard Kelsey talk about it. I mean, of course you can nitpick around what Kelsey was saying, especially mm-hmm. when the part where he was like, I mean, you gotta, you gotta buy in. What else can you do? But I mean, let's be real. That's that's really the case. What else you gonna do if you don't buy in? You, that's how you become a losing team. Like if you don't buy in, you lost already. It's with anything. Buy in what's going on. Exactly. You buy so in and work. You just go from Kelsey. Exactly. 
even when you go from Kelsey to when you hear Jack Stowe talk about it, and when Jack mm-hmm. Stowe talk about it, yeah, I like. Of course, you go through the comments and you see the people like, how much did they pay you to say this? And <laughs> they guaranteed you your roster spot for this. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's all funny and fine and dandy, but as you can see, even the man at the bottom of the roster can buy can buy in. So, as they all as all the players have been saying all week long, they like outside noise isn't really anything to listen to. It just goes back to like I said last week, what Derek Carr was saying. They will criticize you. They're going to praise you. I mean, at the end of the day, none of it really matters. You still got to worry about what's going on in-house. You got to deal mm-hmm. with the people that you got to come to work and see every day. So, mm-hmm. I mean, while you can, while I understand why you say you don't see a growth in the team, like all I can think about is like a play on Sunday. I can't remember exactly what down the distance it was, but I remember mm-hmm. it was late in the game, probably like third or fourth quarter. And it's just little, just the little things where Jalen – it was just moving around the pocket. And on a time where you would normally see Jalen get ready to bail, and granted, Jalen did run on the play. He stayed mm-hmm. down for an extra two, three seconds before he escaped. Just the stuff you wanted to see where you spend all season, all season long saying, don't bail too early. Mm-hmm. Wait, go through your progression, see what you see. And you can see him doing little stuff like that. And I mean, those, I mean, of course, don't nobody want to hear anything about moral victories at this point, but <laughs> those are the moral victories that you expect Absolutely. to come away with at this. You're definitely right, right Just about little that. things like that. Mm-hmm. I, you're right. You know, I'm, I'm trying, I'm just so frustrated with the season, but you're right. It is little things like that, you know, but it's just like, it's just tough to watch, you know, just to play the contrarian for a second. Yeah, he's staying in the pocket, but he's also just making these stupid decisions still. We what game was it? Uh, was it was it the Cowboy game where we were just like, dude, it's fourth down. Why are you throwing the ball away? And he he did it again today. Or he did it again on on Sunday. And it's just like little things like that. Sometimes I feel like his awareness is great in some ways, and in some ways it's like you're a coach's son, dude. Like have that awareness of that. You know, so some of these things like I just I'm not turned on Jalen by any means. I don't want it to come across that way. I still think Jalen can be a great quarterback. I know the number of he's only this many games into his career keeps increasing. And, you know, the more it increases, uh, the more people can criticize it. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, every, every quarterback isn't going to come out and just be lights out right away. And we've been spoiled by that. And dudes like Josh Allen took two, three years to develop. So you give a guy time when you know he works hard and you know that he's got some of the tools that you need, you know, the other things will follow, but I guess I just want to see more positive stuff earlier than the fourth quarter. It just feels like we're lost and we're scrambling. And then in the fourth quarter, things just start coming together. And I, cause I even said it at halftime last game, I was like, you know, I'm not even like worried about the first half. We'll see what happens in the second half. Cause it feels like we're a second half team. I was hoping for some of it in the third quarter, but we only got it in the fourth. And at that point we made the score closer, but it's not like we were in the game at all. So I guess that's what I mean by you know, not seeing signs of growth. I see progression in some places for sure, but regression in other places is not something that you really want to see. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. I mean, first, I must say, just to add on to your point, yeah, we're definitely not a first-half team. I just saw something right before we got on that said over the last six games, the Eagles averaged seven points in the first half, which you would Mm -hmm. think is worse than a league, but there there are actually three teams worse than us. I don't know who they are, but they're third worst in the league at that point. So, I mean, hey, obviously, they need to figure something out. 
I mean, it gets so frustrating because they come out and you can tell, like, the, like you say, you look for growth. If you look at the scripted plays from week one up to this point, I mean, uh, let's just even take week one out because everything they did week one looked pretty good. But mm-hmm. from week two up to this point, you can see the growth in, well, this first, this first 15 sucked versus this first 15 is a little better. Versus nine days, you expect to see the offense move the ball when the game starts. You expect this first 15 to look really good. But it's like That's once true. the first 15 are over, <clears throat> then it's time to start going through defenses and making calls to beat the defense and what they're giving you. It's like, I don't know, man. I guess actually I'm glad I put it like this because this like what you were saying and what I'm about to get into just opens one big Pandora's box, I'd like to think. It's mm-hmm. like I personally feel like with Jalen, as like you said, he's a coach's son, man. So it's it's not like he don't know what he's what he's saying or what he's doing. He can mm-hmm. get confused like many young quarterbacks, as I said before, yeah. and as Mark said, like I said last week, he's at most comfortable when he sees he's he recognizes what he sees pre-snap and it's the same thing post-snap just for me familiarity of course mm-hmm. as is every quarterback but my whole thing with it is and what i normally notice on film is Jalen isn't stupid Jalen knows what he's seeing mm-hmm. it's just i don't personally think Jalen and nick are on the same page like i know mm-hmm. i bring up this play quite often but just like the play against dallas when he threw the interception i think it was a deep pass to rager it was the, the mm-hmm. first drive of the yeah. game where, they tried to redo that play, right? The one yeah, where uh, like, Rager got pushed out of bounds or something. Oh, it was like the yeah, week yeah, before, yeah. and then they tried to redo it, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that one. So it's like I understand what Jalen's saying because you can tell pre-snap and post-snap they showing you single high. One on you got one-on-one coverage. Jalen does a great job of looking at safety off and going to one-on-one coverage. He got putting trust in his receiver like as a quarterback as a coach that's those are the things you want to see from your quarterback mm-hmm. but in the same breath with saying that like I was saying when I was explaining the play while you got a specific coverage and you you like what you saw in that part that ain't what the play was drawn up to do and I feel like mm-hmm. there are so many times where we sitting here blaming Jalen for something and Nick set him up in a bad spot or vice versa like I'm explaining mm-hmm. right now where <laughs> Nick set Jalen up in a perfect position to be successful. And it's not like Jalen's going rogue or anything. Like I said, he understands what he's saying, but it's just you got to be on the same page as your head coach. Like even mm-hmm. just from last week, like I explained with the Tampa game, where I mean, I understand sometimes you want to get your playmates with the ball, like with Smitty on the comeback route against the double high safeties, but you really got man coverage, it's literally man coverage. And the, the way that the defense is playing is they're trying to stop you from going to the outside, which makes sense because I also seen something this week, and it, it's pretty scary. I, I seen Jalen Hurts' name mentioned with Mitch Trubisky, and that's when it, it made me worry. Because oh, yeah. anybody who knows me knows I am not a big Mitch Trubisky fan. I think he is oh, terrible. Lord. But He's it, awful. It was, it's, it's basically saying how – how do I basically put this? Jalen simplifies it for himself and for the defense. Jalen Hurts, most of his pass attempts are going based strictly to the right side of the field. It's like he doesn't mm-hmm. try to. I mean, we we made the argument about him in the middle of the field, and we know how lacking yeah. that is in the offense. But mm-hmm. now it's getting to the point where it's like he's only targeting this side. And I mean, of mm-hmm. course, he has his fair share of targets to the <clears> left, but oh, he just goes to where he's comfortable, like that. 
Yes, yeah. and that's that's the problem right there. Where yeah, sometimes I don't know. Yeah, you're gonna have to step out of your comfort zone, which brings me to the point where I don't know exactly what it was that Lincoln Riley did at Oklahoma. Obviously, <laughs> your mm-hmm. college football is completely different from the NFL, and these defensive coordinators get paid this much money for a reason because they ain't got to scout people anymore. Yeah. They spend all day watching film and seeing what these NFL teams are doing. So it's one thing to say, well, how did this college coach make him look, look this good? But at the same time, I mean, as Pierre said in his article a while back, when it comes to a Lincoln-Riley system, they bring them in, they, they teach them basically the, the, simple, the simple version of the offense. Mm-hmm. Then once you get the, the exit and those portion down, they start catering the offense towards your, your skill set and all of that. So mm-hmm. as you can see, like just trying to picture that in the Nick Sirianni thing where it's like day one, I'm sure that he was teaching Flacco before the trade and mm-hmm. Nick Mullins when they were here, when he was here as well as Hurts. Just basically the simplicities of the offense, the mesh, the wide shallow cross that we talk about often. Like, So I'm sure they understand that. So when you talk about adding some of the things to the offense that caters to Jaden's skill set, I feel like that's when the offense starts to get mushy. And I feel like you you discussed this in actually very thoroughly in the group message. So I'd like to see, like, can you touch on that a little bit more in terms of the Brian Johnson and what involvement you would want him to have in the offense and how you yeah. think he can impact the squad? Absolutely. Like, I think Brian Johnson – he was – so Brian Johnson, his little bit of background, was the uh, OC at Florida under Dan Mullen last year. And the one thing I noticed at Florida over the past couple of years while Mullen uh, and, and Johnson were there, Mullen brought Brian Johnson like right away, um, is just that they were able to adjust around different types of quarterbacks. And I mean, we saw uh, there was like Emory Jones there. And when Emory was out there, there were different kinds of plays. They were able to call different things. And then there was obviously Trask, who is like the polar opposite of him. And he made Trask look like the best college football quarterback of all time since Burrow, right? Like it was like that, it was that type of season. Um, and I mean, he made Pitts a first round pick. Kadarius Tony was a first round pick. And a lot of that is attributed to Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson also, you know, fun fact, knew Jalen since he was a kid because Brian Johnson's dad, uh, sorry, Jalen's dad was Brian Johnson's coach in high school. Um, and Brian Johnson was also on NCAA. But that's besides the point. At Florida, what they did was just a lot of, quicker RPO that was just faster hitting. I feel like some of our RPO just takes too long. I don't know if it's Jalen. I don't know if it's the route combinations. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but at Florida, they were just able to get the ball out quick, whether it was to Pitts or to, you know, KT or, you know, any of the other guys that were on that team, they just got the ball out fast or, you know, they just ran the ball off of RPO a lot, you know, cause we had good running backs last year. So and we also saw last game when we started running the ball a little bit we had a little bit more balance in the offense yeah we weren't necessarily hitting our targets and and getting the plays that we wanted but the offense had more balance and we were able to open things up a little bit um but with brian johnson along with like the rpo it's just bringing it back to basic types of read options and 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 just things like that getting the ball in Jalen's hand especially now with miles out we have two running backs on the roster if i'm not mistaken right it's only Boston and Kenny. Do we keep a well? Actually, uh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up. It sounds as if the Eagles haven't said it like publicly, 
mm-hmm. like made any statement or anything, but it sounds like Jordan Howard has been taking yes. reps with the ones this week. Yes. I love Jordan, bro. Let's go. All right. You know, we have these running backs, but even then, Jalen's legs are dynamic. He's able to use them. We just need to be using him in the run game to keep the defense, you know, off kilter a little bit. And I just think that if we bring in Brian Johnson a little bit more, someone who has worked with college quarterbacks recently, has worked with quarterbacks similar to Jalen in the past. Because, I mean, Brian Johnson also worked with Dak at uh, at Mississippi State with Dan Mullen. So, um you know, we're talking about Shane Steichen, who was calling plays, but he was also not necessarily, he was on, he was on the chargers. He wasn't necessarily the one who was like the best one with play calling. That just took away his play calling duties as Burrow started going in and, uh, and, and they were splitting with somebody else. I just remember reading that. And, um, and all the dudes from Indianapolis were just working with Jacoby Brissett and Phillip river types. So to have somebody who's worked with a quarterback, with a, Skill set similar to Jalen more recently, I think, would be beneficial to him. And just in terms of Jalen, just to touch on what you were saying earlier about him knowing what he's seeing, understanding it, but just not necessarily hitting it. One thing that I've noticed, it just feels like he just waits too long to throw the ball because he wants the receivers to be just that little bit open. And just that little bit throws off the timing. And it can make Sirianni look bad. It can make him look bad. Because these combinations, these routes, everything is open. But, you know, just waiting that half a second more gives a safety that step. Gives somebody, uh, the corner, just an extra step to go make the play. And and he's just got to trust himself a little bit more. And I know we've talked about that on here a little bit. But he's got to just just let it rip sometimes. And, and I saw some of that hesitation again last week. But one kind of, you know, phrase that I've just kind of heard. I don't know if phrase is necessarily the right term. But the best quarterbacks are comfortable being uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. I think Jalen has it sometimes you know when he's like escaping the pocket he can feel the pocket he has great pocket presence but he's just got to work on just being like okay you know everything's going to be fine trusting the line a little bit staying there and trusting his receivers it's uncomfortable to throw the ball when you when you when the receiver isn't out of the break yet but if you're going to be able to do it and you know somebody's going to be open on a post corner just throw the ball, bro, and let him get open, let him get underneath it, and take that ball to the crib, you know? But it, it takes that comfortability in the uncomfortable. And it also just – being able to do that just takes making plays too. And so, you know, it, again, it's like the chicken and the egg. Who is it? It's on both of them, Sirianni and Jalen. One thing I did want to mention, though, just kind of mind-boggling from Sirianni. I like the dude, but I, I didn't get the, the – uh, not taking the penalty – at the beginning of the game, do you, do you remember what I'm talking about? It was, uh, it was, was, it was the, the one play. where he, t- I think he it talked was the about it his press. Did, did he? Cause uh, I, I didn't get, to, I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but Avante picked the ball off and essentially just, or I don't know if it was, the, I think, yeah, it was the pick, but he essentially bailed him out, but it would have been fourth and three versus third and long. And we opted for third and long. And it just, that didn't make sense to me. And then just the other thing, this isn't really a, a game management thing. Some more play calling, but I don't understand why we don't get Quez involved until like this third quarter. It just does not make sense to me. He's obviously our number two receiver. He's getting consistently open. He's got speed. I just, I don't know why we're not targeting him earlier in the game. I don't know if it's Jalen. I don't know if it's the game planning. I'm not sure what it is, but all I know is, is Quez Watkins needs the ball in his hands more because every, he, he, every time he gets the ball, he makes a play. Like every time, every time we need to play, they go to Quez and he makes it, you know? So, 
I really think that we need to just keep rewarding that because until he shows that he can't do it, I mean, dude's been balling. No, yeah, you, yeah, you're right. Like it's this running joke I got going on where every time they throw the ball to him, I say good things about to happen because it seems like every time they throw the ball to him, good things happen. It's crazy. But in terms of the penalty you're talking about, yeah, Sirianni touched on that in his presser. Now mm-hmm. I don't remember word for word exactly what he said, but basically it's an analytic thing. No oh, God. But what would he, you have done? Basically, what would you have done? I don't know, man. It gets it gets weird. Cause like I'm I'm really into the whole analytics things nowadays, especially because recently I was watching this video from it's called it's from this account on YouTube called Secret Base. If you just like historical sports stories and stuff like that or background sports stories, I suggest any of you guys go check it out. They got some really good stories on there. But uh, it's basically it, what I was watching is. The history of the Atlanta Falcons, for lack of a better term, it starts from the the, mm-hmm. the wet bottom days of the franchise when it first started, leading all the way up to the Super Bowl where they just blew it. And I was, I think, I can't remember if it was the Super Bowl where this was in, or it might have been a game against Seattle a few years back. But it basically was discussing how the Buck, I mean, not the Bucks, the Falcons had the ball. And the lead, like they were up three, I believe it was. The ball and the lead with just under a minute left. I mean, just over a minute left in the red zone. And basically, the Fal- the, uh, the Panthers got stops. And at this point, it's fourth and goal. And you like the mm-hmm. ball is like on the one. And they opted to kick the field goal. And what made what reason me I brought this up is because what was really intriguing to me is with them kicking the field goal, obviously they were up three. Now they up six. Now the Panthers need a touchdown to win the game, right? Mm-hmm. So you would think their their win probability goes up. But I think their win probability was at like 60-something at that point in time. And the win probability actually went down with them kicking the field goal. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wow, what? And it sounds like based off the analytics, it makes more sense for you to go for it right there, fourth and one from the one-yard line, and make that team drive 99 yards. Then yeah. to kick the points and get them a chance to roll from a normal field. So just think about little stuff like that. It, it, it actually makes That's the a conversation point. a bit more interesting. Definitely. No, yeah, then it's definitely not as, as mind-boggling. My thing, I don't want to, like, make it seem like I'm some concussion uncle or something. You know, like, I think <laughs> analytics have, like, a great place in football, and, and they teach us a lot, and they can help you out a lot. I just hope that they have a good balance, you know, because you can't, if yes. you are just a team that's just going to be strictly analytics based, you're not going to, you're going to win games, but you're not going to win a lot because there's something about the feel of a football game and, and something about coaches. Right. So mm-hmm. I, but that's a, that's a very interesting point when you, when you put it that way, make them drive the entire field, you know, makes a little bit more sense. You got to d- depend on your defense. So that makes sense. I kind of touched on it when I just said Avante build him out, but dude, holy shit he is playing out of his mind and like i hope i hope you lock him and dallas up man i love that they're roommates that they're like best friends i was hoping mm-hmm. that we'd be able to keep both of them around and with avante playing like this and if dallas like can keep producing for the rest of the season it'd be awesome if both of them stick around i think they're both awesome players awesome man like i even was a little concerned me and my brother was what i had a chance to rewatch. watch this was his first time watching it but I had the chance mm-hmm. to rewatch the um, dang, what was it called? 
like the HBO, not HBO, but the other version of the Hard Knocks that the Eagles. Oh, all the Amazon nothing. one. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. All or nothing, and we was watching it, and I was just watching it and getting the feels for them two man roommates again, man. And I'm like, damn, I love their relationship, man. I know, like it's that's awesome. this, it's bigger than football when you watch that, man. Like it's mm-hmm. it's just amazing to watch, like how they was roommates coming in for the draft, got drafted exactly. by the same team, like that's just the like, universe working really well, man. Exactly. Play with Nerf guns. It's awesome, bro. Like, they're just living. They got Nerf guns in their mansion, bro. They are living every boy's dream. You would live with your boys, hella Nerf guns. You're in the NFL. Please, like, sign me up. <laughs> I don't know how I'm I get saying, in there. Man. You know <laughs> what I'm saying. That, that is just beautiful. Amazing. It's definitely, definitely Amazing. great. I'm actually glad you brought Dallas up, man. So, as you said, as we stated last week, First of all, I'd like to give a big shout out to Ertz. He's been balling, looking like a completely different player since he left Philadelphia. Love to mm-hmm. see it, miss the player, hate the production. But <laughs> I mean, what's the, what's your thoughts on that on Dallas so far? Obviously, it's only been one game with him in a row. Um, did you see anything you noticed? Obviously, he won Toyota's uh the Philadelphia fan voted Toyota player of the week. I mm-hmm. seen somebody say that's how you know we're a terrible team because he only had three receptions. So I know him winning player of the week is like dang. I know. We're but. we're down bad. There's absolutely no question about that. But I mean, three receptions for 70 yards isn't bad, right? Like you're not gonna complain about a 70 yard game from your tight end. Would have loved to see him get in the end zone, but I mean he got in for the for the two-point conversion and, and everything. So that was that was cool that uh that him and Zach got in. I I like that. Also, Zach Ertz with a total yak touchdown. Like, what? I, he Yo. outran people. What? What is going on? What, I just. Yo. I can't. I can't. I can't think about it too much. But I thought Dallas had a good game. His no, you're not. No people aren't going to necessarily see it all the time. But he's so good in the run game. You know, just as a, as a blocker so and so valuable. He manhandles dudes, and like Zach struggled with that in the beginning of his career you know and that's you know there was the infamous Cincinnati thing and all that kind of stuff but Dallas has been a great blocker since he got in the league and he's only gotten better as a receiver he's always just had circus catches if you have some time go look up his high school uh, high school and college highlights they are nuts some absolutely incredible catches in there um I think he keeps improving every week I just I'm looking forward to him and Jalen you know getting some more chemistry now and, and and him getting into the groove of playing the entire game, you know, cause I'm sure he probably was tired at some point, you know, like taking all the one reps now, you know, with, with Zach out, you know, you got stole there and, and, and Dick Rod is back. He's uh he's on the practice mm-hmm. squad. Love to see that. Love to see that in case we need any Hail Marys. Um, but uh, I think he's, I think he's going to really have a good rest of the season depending on how we do as an offense. I, I think it's in the Eagles' best interest to lock him up because I think he's a very solid player and I think he has the potential to be great. We just need to get him the ball and we need to just, you know, function as an offense as well. So, you know, what about you? I feel like a lot of what you say is correct. And what will really grab my attention is I feel like people won't notice his importance to the offense. Because as you said, like, just touching on what you said in the run game, I was watching some film from the Raiders game. Mm-hmm. Obviously not the prettiest film. But then you could just see little things. Like, I remember there was one play where Sirianni used Hurts as in a quarterback counter. I was early in the game. 
I was excited mm-hmm. to see some quarterback. I remember you said that call for that. Yeah, yeah, man. I've been calling for him to run this early, like so so many weeks. But they ran. They called quarterback counter. They pulled. Uh, I think it was Gainwell used as the blocker, and mm-hmm. they had Dickerson as the pulling guard. But the most interesting thing about the whole thing that I saw is they literally had Dallas Goddard as a main blocker on Yannick and Gakwe. And he mm-hmm. did a really good job on it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he, he had good technique. He c- controlled the outside shoulder, forced um, Yannick to the inside. And, I mean, granted, the play didn't get – it's not like it went for 40 yards or anything, but just yeah. the little execution like that where how I feel mm-hmm. like having him as tight end one now allows the offense to open up so much more in so many different ways, especially because this isn't the first time you've seen this. I mean, they've ran this same play before. It, this mm-hmm. time in a read option variation of it. I think it was against Atlanta when they ran it, where basically they they ran a read option that Hurts kept it, and they had Goddard pulling across as just basically his lead blocker behind him. It's like you can tell they use him very well as the blocker. It's just mm-hmm. all about finding the great, the great balance between having him on the field as a receiver and having him on the field as a blocker. And I think having – with Ertz gone – I feel like mm-hmm. that'll be a little easier because now we can stay in the 11 personnel that Sirianni yep. obviously likes. Mm-hmm. But the most interesting thing about this is I'd like to see when Tyree Jackson get back. because I think this is week two of his 21-day mm-hmm. window. Yeah, so, yeah I think you're right. Both both to, uh, both Sirianni and Roseman have spoken highly of him. Mm-hmm. So I want to see exactly what role he has in the offense as well. I'm excited to see that too. That's a great point. It's going to be super – like, yeah, everybody last year was always going to be really developmental and everything. But, I like, there's not many players that get the consensus. Like, he's balling out from coaches, uh, uh, GM, other players, all the beat writers. But Tyree Jackson was that dude. I can't think of, like, a single beat or anybody that didn't mention that Tyree Jackson was having a hell of a summer. You know, like – he was yeah. just eating people up and, you know, he's, he's been an athletic freak, former quarterback. You know, maybe we got our own Logan Thomas. So you know, exactly. let's see, let's see. But uh, before we move on to the lions, we definitely have to cover Derek Carr, who I have to eat my words. I was like, Oh, let's get after him. He's not that good. He's going to curl up into a ball. Oh my God, dude. He just, we were the ones curling into a ball. Jesus. It was something else, man. Let, let, let his numbers were nuts 31 of 34 323 yards two tds one interception 113.6 quarterback rating like just master class <laughs> like just toasted like, us in on, every brother. possible way let me let me give a little bit of breakdown on exactly how dominant this man was brother Go for like it, bro. mind you guys i told you last week against Denver he hit 10 different receivers last week against Denver he doubled back this week and quite wasn't quite 10 although that one receiver would be happy he'll get his target next week he got nine different receivers this week and it's like oh my goodness then when you listen and hear you say he was 31 or 34 like yeah sure that sounds amazing one of the few quarterbacks in the last decade to have over a 90% completion percentage in the game. But then when you think of it, take into account, damn, one of those incompletions was an interception. That means he only missed two passes all game long. Two passes all game long, man. Like, mm-hmm. 
what was the defense doing? And it's, it's like it was, the most frustrating part about this is, like I said, my big matchup heading in the last week was our defensive line against their offensive line. It's not like they had any world beaters on their offensive line. I told you guys that they were on pace to give up 51 sacks for him. And he mm-hmm. was not sacked once. Once. I, yeah. Like, where was our rush? I, uh, their, their offensive line did a great job playing as a unit. Credit where credit is due. But, dude, what are we doing? We're like the big build from the trenches team. We spend all our picks on D linemen. Where is the production? And Fletcher Cox, dude, I, I'm just – stop complaining, dude. You know, like he complained before. I got it. You know, he was adjusting the system. But you're not producing. And if Javon can produce and you're not doing anything, you're he's not getting as many double teams. Javon's getting double teams now too. And it's just like one guy's producing. It's obviously not the scheme, you know, like, and I get Javon played in a similar scheme in Pittsburgh. He has, he's more recent, everything like that. But Fletcher Cox is supposed to be our world beater. He's supposed to be our Aaron Donald. And he's who we've compared him to for years now. And it's been a fair comparison, but he's not playing at that same level anymore. And quite frankly, I'm just sick of him just complaining all the time about, Oh, it's this, this, and this. He's just sounding more and more like the old vet who just like is going to be a malcontent. And it's worrisome because like, he's been such a cornerstone for our franchise, you know, like you want, I, I, I just, I guess you just want a little bit more leadership from one of your leaders in terms of just like right. taking accountability. Definitely, man. I mean, granted, well, I, I, I don't want to act like he isn't saying as many double teams. He's still saying as many because even the announcers and Javon himself are telling you a lot of his production is a thank to Fletch saying those Absolutely. double teams. And Absolutely. even then you can see in the game, what was it? Um, and who was it? I think it was the Panthers game, actually. Yeah, it was the Panthers Yeah. Game, where once they started sending double teams to Javon, Fletcher started to eat. Now, I would, I, I do agree with you when you say at some point you got to stop complaining about the scheme. At the same point of that, we are using him in weird ways, man. Like I seen one, one play where he he, seen, he looked like he was like a quarterback spy or something, and I'm like, why is he not rushing the passer? Like, mm-hmm. what is he doing? What 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 are you asking him to do? Matt, what is he doing? Yeah, like, I don't know. At the same time, I mean, you can only do what you ask to do. Exactly. So, Exactly. And it's just like, obviously, the scheme is weird. Okay. It's not lost on anybody, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's obvious on the field, but like, I just, I just want to see a little bit more accountability, I guess, is my only point. And, you know, I, when I, when I was referencing that Javon had been seeing more uh, double teams, I was referencing the Carolina game, but Fletch has been producing through double teams for years. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just like he's at that age where a lot of D, D tackles specifically kind of start to their production just starts to dip a little bit, you know, and that's what I've been considering it more and more as I think about it. I doubt it's going to happen. But if we do, if we are sellers, I, I think Fletch would be a good. It depends on what you get back. I'm not like just saying, you know, trade him for whatever. But if you're getting a solid deal from like a contender that just, you know, needs Fletch right now to like, you know, take him to like that next level. I think you make that trade, uh, you know, and, and we have picks for next year, you know, and you can figure it out from there, but I don't want to be just paying this dude a bunch of money as his production just dips off because we loved him in an Eagles uniform. We've done that before. And I know it's a little bit heartless, but I don't know. What do you think about that? 
Um, I mean, I don't, I don't act like it didn't cross my mind. At the same time, I feel like this, like I, I like I've been saying all pod and all the previous pods. I mean, this this season's gonna be hard to evaluate anybody because yeah. everybody's getting familiarity of what's going on now. Mm-hmm. If, like you said, if you're big on selling, and it's not even just at the trade deadline, like even heading into next year, if you see a contender mm-hmm. that is willing to move, let's say, a three for Fletcher Cox, then you you take that deal. You take it. Yep. Let's be real. You he's not getting any younger. No. So only gonna get older. And Milton Williams, he's not Fletcher Cox, but he has been playing exceptionally well, especially as a rookie. Mm-hmm. He that dude, that dude could be different, you know. As time goes on, and it's great that he's learning under Fletch. So I'm not saying trade him because you know Milton Williams is playing well, but you know if we are coming to that perspective, you know maybe it's next year in the summer, maybe it's time, you know. But uh, why don't we? Uh, did you have anything else to say on Carr? Or should we? Should we move on to 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 Detroit? I don't want to hear his name anymore for the rest of the season. All right. Well, let's talk about another quarterback. Jared Goff, what a guy, dude. I mean, I just – I honestly just feel bad for this Lions team. Like, they I, – I really like Dan Campbell. I think he's, like, a really cool guy. I mean, like, just cares so much about his team. And I just I, – I, I appreciate the hell out of that. Like, him and Sirianni have – and uh, and it's Dabble, right? On uh, – no, not Dabble. Uh, who, what's his name in, uh, in L.A., the, the Chargers guy? Staley. 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 Those three, I think we – this class somehow is just so authentic. Like Staley gives you great answers. Dan Campbell gives you great answers. And I think Sirianni gives good answers too. Like they are honest about where they're at, what they're seeing, and just about like what they want to do in a locker room and what their vision is. And I've just really appreciated that. And mm-hmm. Dan Campbell, I mean, he was like, he was in tears talking about like how hard this team worked and how like they're just so close, but it's just not happening. And it just shows that like he's bought into the players and the players have bought into him because the players, they fight every game. They have lost every game, but they have not stopped fighting, you know, and they have had some bright spots. They're arguably their, their brightest spot has been a dude from Philly, DeAndre Swift. He's just been, yes, falling, sir. you know, Philly's own. So a lot of bright spots. It's not, it, it's, they come off as a bad team, but I really don't think the Lions are like a bad, bad team. I don't know. What do you think? Why don't you get into it a little bit? If you think the Lions are a bad team, then you think the Eagles are a bad team because they're telling the same story, a lot of the same story. And, I mean, it's, like, it's so funny to hear you say it like that because if you ask the casual Eagles fan, not even just the casual Eagles fan, someone who actually has tuned into a Dan Campbell press conference, has listened to him speak even long before his days here, like even dating back to his days at Iowa State, mm-hmm. where you can tell his guy, the guys love playing for him, man. And mm-hmm. you can tell, like like I said last week, it's easy to invest in somebody that invests in you. And I feel like a lot of that same yep. thing is going on in Philadelphia. And the reason I brought this up is because when we're looking at it from our perspective, of course you get sick of hearing Nick Sirianni talking. It's like, oh, he wants to do this and he wants to do that. And he said this and he said that. And, of course, that's because we just want production. But when you listen, listen, then listen to how you explain that Lions team, and that's probably the same exact way if we was flipping the roads that they would explain us because mm-hmm. like it's so easy to sit here and say your team sucked when you got a one you're the one that watched the 16 17 games 
it's so easy. Yeah. But when you're talking about other teams, teams that you had a chance to tune into but ain't really checking for, it's like you understand what's going on. Like they just aren't quite ready yet, and neither of us are quite ready. Right. I mean, let's be real. But the, the, the players, you can tell all of the players have brought in, and maybe more so over there than here because then you have the guys like Fletcher. Like, I think mm-hmm. our whole problem over here is if you guys are going to set stone on the rebuild, you guys set stone on the rebuild, which means yeah. some of these vets, like you say, maybe it is. The retooling is, yeah. Yeah, man, sometimes the vets has to go because mm-hmm. vets don't like being part of rebuild. They want to win. They want to win yep. right now. And I exactly. mean, you don't hear any. I'm not really sure of the vets that they are over there in Detroit. I mean, Taylor Decker, he's out right now. So I mean, mm-hmm. they're not really, he hasn't really been able to speak much on it. But just like everybody over there is generally young from golf to Hawkinson yeah, to absolutely. Swift. Like that's a young football team. So see, well, it's so easy for them guys to buy in, man. Like, mm-hmm. it's so easy because they just want to get better every single day. And the coach is telling you, he's literally telling you, we ain't there yet, guys. Again, just goes back to what Sirianni was saying about the flower thing. Mm-hmm. We aren't exactly. quite there yet. But we see exactly. we see the progress. It's like we right see there. The progress. Yeah. Exactly. 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 And, dude, this team, their coach is a dog. His first press conference, he's talking about eating kneecaps. Right. kneecaps. You know? It's like, awesome, bro. This? I was like, yeah, okay. Okay, like it's just crazy. And this team is some dogs too. Penn A. Sewell is, I hope I said that right. Man, 20 years well. old getting in the face of Aaron freaking Donald. Dude, like, <laughs> like he was not backing down. And that's Aaron Donald. Grown ass men in the league will not do that to Aaron Donald. He's right there, getting right back in his face. I was so like, that man is okay. different, man. Mm hmm. Penny is different, man. I, I, he, he was one of my favorite players. I had the chance to scout this offseason. You know how I feel about the offensive and defensive linemen, man. And mm-hmm. I, I died mm-hmm. from a hill for Penny because I can understand what people loved about Slater. But Penny, man, Penny is just one of them guys that you want protecting your quarterback for the next decade. Penny just yeah. has it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but, dude. More so about Detroit. I mean, as you touched on DeAndre Swift, Deion, I feel like between Swift and Hawkinson, their offense is literally the opposite of ours. We will not target the middle of the field. They will definitely they target, only target the, middle, the of the field. middle of the field. That's so funny. That's so true. I'm just thinking, of, like, we're like the same organization, just like flipped. That's and so funny. Exactly. That's nuts. We literally won't throw the ball to the middle of the field, and they only run the ball and pass it to their tight ends. Wow. That's so funny. I mean, the running backs that. get involved. Like oh I was God. just checking out Swift stats before they go before we turned mm-hmm. in, man. And I mean, you can tell that between them having a new coaching staff this year and him just getting his feet wet last year, this is a completely new guy, man. Like, especially mm-hmm. as a receiver. Like right now, he got 78 attempts on the year. Like he's still making progress as a runner. Like 78 attempts, 262 rushing yards, averaging 3.4 yards to carry, and only got three touchdowns. But then when you talk about DeAndre Swift receiver. That's when it gets interesting. 42 receptions. He all he had 46 all last year. So he already by the wow. top that should top that. I mean, he has 391 receiving yards already this year. He had 357 all of last year. That should be that's already been top. <laughs> and he already has two receiving touchdowns, which tied for what he had all of last year. So they mm-hmm. they definitely unlocked something with him in the passing game. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't he is really 
I didn't realize that's what his stats were last year. Like I knew he was catching the ball well this well. I mean, he's in terms of fantasy, I think he's been killing it as well. Like he's been one of the top fantasy backs the last couple of weeks as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's just been balling. And they also, I don't know, I know Jamal Williams is questionable, but that's been a that's been a great like one-two punch for them out of the backfield. Yeah, Both man. of them can catch the ball, but Williams has got that little bit of juice, you know, like mm-hmm. it's it they're building something, you know, positive in Detroit. And I know we keep going back to building, but this is gonna be a good game. We're gonna see like where we are as a team because it's going to be with a team who's at like the same level as us. And if we lose it, it's going to tell us a lot about, about who we are as a team. And it's also bringing mm-hmm. us one step closer to Kayvon. So we're going to get, we're yeah. getting that number one pick, bro. We got to get it. The Dolphins got to get the number one pick. Just, Oh God. And I'm saying that as a part-time Dolphins fan too. Just, Football's painful this Dang. year. I can't, dude. I, I like Dang. the Dolphins, the Eagles, and the Bears. Like of like just awful, awful teams to like. Why oh, I should have just said I like the Cardinals. I don't know. <laughs> but shout out, shout out to Rasul Douglas. I always loved Sewell, always thought he was a baller. Shout out to him for ending that game, bro. That was awesome. I was so happy for him. He was on the Cardinals practice squad three weeks ago. Exactly. That's what made it so beautiful. Now, I'm not going to act like I'm the biggest Sewell guy because my little brother going to listen to this pod and look at me like, now you know. Now <laughs> you, you know. And I'm like, like, I was never really the biggest Sewell guy. And it's not because of his skill. He's very talented. It's just our scheme back then. We was asking a cornerback so who was not fast, bro. He was not fast at all. The stable receivers and one-on-one coverage. And I'm like, he just can't do it. He'd be so Stop. good in He's this game right at, now. Yes. It's so frustrating, yes. bro. He's physical. He can get the ball. I, I, oh god, dude, it just kills me when I think about it. I'm like, why didn't we just bring Sewell back? Keep him one more year, dude. Ugh. But I was, I was always a big, I was, I was always a big fan of him. I know he got toasted. He was like our, our Trayvon Diggs light version before, before he got <laughs> to the league. You know, he got toasted, but he got us the picks. I mean, he was like the only guy getting us turnovers back in the day. Him and Jenk. Oh man. Good guy. I was happy for him. But uh, anyways, do you have anything else on, on the line? Well, let's go into the defense first. Um, Lions defense is like fine. It's not anything great either. It's not, um, you know, anything special. They play physical. They play hard. But can you think of any like great players on their team that you want to keep an eye out for on the defense? Um, most notable player I'd say is Trey Flowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of Trey, I mean, a bunch of young guys, not really yeah. anybody. I mean, of course, me being a Buckass fan, shout out. I, it'd be fun to watch Jeffrey Okuda the first time I get a chance to get a thorough look didn't at Jeffrey he, since. I, dude, I think he tore his Achilles, didn't he? He did. He did. I remember yeah. the video. The video. Yeah. I, I was watching some film earlier. I don't remember what game it was from, but I thought I'd seen him. Poor guy, So who man. was 21? He's, 20, he's 23, right? So who was 21? Uh, let's see. I had to check and see who 21 was because I was what whoever 21 is, and we got to watch out for him because he was having a pretty Tracy good game. Walker. I like that kid. I like him. Walker. He was having a pretty good game. Pretty he's good. A, game. He's a big corner. He's I, I thought that was Okuda, man. Oh, all right. So he's playing like Okuda. Hey. Oh, they got, yeah, they got Alex uh, Anzalone. I forgot about that. He's on their team now. He's a Gator great, Gator mid great, but you know, I always love watching him play. He's got the, the blonde flow. He flies around, so he's like a decent player on their defense. Trey Flowers is questionable this week. Um, yeah, I yeah. saw that. 
But uh, there's not really much otherwise. Play. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really have much of them in terms of their injury report that nobody was ruled out. Yeah, that's what I noticed as well. It was just a lot of questionables down the uh, down the list. But it's gonna I think be interesting. Flowers man. should play, and like yeah. Decker, it was Decker and a couple other guys. I don't think they're back this week. No, yeah, Decker's on IR still. Uh, yeah. Jamal Williams is questionable. DeAndre Swift is questionable. Uh, he, he, yeah. uh, I think they uh, activated him, but I mean, of course, he he's in his little practice in the window end of, thingy. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow, Ragnow got hurt too. I forgot about that. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. Oh, Vitae, uh, he's gonna play his old team. Yeah, right guard. Shout out to him. I forgot about I was that. Just, I'm glad I was they just moved him inside. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know they moved him inside. I'm glad they did. Yeah, man. When I saw that, because I was looking at their depth chart earlier, that's what made me. I guess I should have figured out that twenty one was Walker then. <laughs> but I just kept telling myself that that was Okuda, man. But you wanted I was looking at the depth chart earlier. I was so bad. Oh, so bad. Especially when I was watching the film and seeing them play. I'm like, look at him. He, he looked good. Mm-hmm. But I seen the. I mean, I seen the depth chart and I seen Vitae left right guard. I'm like, whoa. Because he seems like he's been very well traveled since he's arrived there. He started at yeah. right tackle. They played a little bit at left tackle. Of course, they, mm-hmm. they brought in Penny. So I figured he would move back to the right. But hey, seeing him at right guard, that's that's definitely interesting. Mm-hmm. It's actually a couple return, a couple like it's a big little game for a couple people. Obviously, Deuce Staley and um Dave mm-hmm. playing against the and, Eagles. Of course, they Slay. our former defensive. I mean, our former special. Team I forgot Fip went there too. I forgot Fip went mm-hmm. there too. I knew Deuce was there. Yeah, Fip, yeah. of course, Slay. And then the one that mm-hmm. almost snuck past me. So Anthony Lynn is the Chargers offensive coordinator. I mean, not the Chargers, it's the uh, Lions offensive coordinator now. And of course, you know, our offensive coordinator, Saint Shane Striking. And mm-hmm. that was his offensive coordinator last year when yeah. he was in with the Chargers. So just one big reunion on the field this week. Right. A lot of jersey swaps gonna be going on. <laughs> All right, bro. So do you have a prediction for this week? Yes, sir. I can say this. If it's still raining in Philadelphia come Monday, you guys might as well pack it up and let's pay for shelter because it might get ugly. Mm-hmm. But I predict that the brainstorm should be over and sunny days are coming. Sunny days are coming. The Eagles should win this game. The first half, not, the first half obviously, we're not really a first-half team. And the Lions yeah. have looked really good in first half of games. So the first half is going to tell a lot about this game. But I think the second half, just like the Carolina game, as long as the team stays resilient, they should be able to pull away towards at the end. So I'd say birds. 24 Lions 10. All right. All right. So I have the birds at 24 as well. I think it's just going to be, yeah, like you said, um, I think we're going to have a very slow first half. It's going to depend on how we do in the second half. I don't think this Lions team can build like a massive lead on us like that. I think, I think they'll be up, you know, maybe a score, maybe two at halftime. And I think we'll end the game 20. 24-21 Eagles. I think I think it's going to be like a field goal, something small that puts us over the top. But I think it's going to be this is going to be pretty neck and neck. I hope I hope we can get back to whatever bracket coverage Gannon has had because you know if Hawkinson can just do whatever he wants against us and we let 
Swift and Jamal Williams run all over our running back or linebackers, it's not going to be pretty. So Jerry a lot Goff going on in this game. Good. No, he is not. He is not. If we, oh, dude, I, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going to say it. We're not yeah, going to lose. No, no, no. Let's no. not nope. put that in the air this week. No, yeah, I can't, dude. I, I can't. <laughs> we can't. Oh, geez, dude. Him and Carson. What, what a, what a draft class. Well, all right. Quick question before we go. Which draft class would you take? Those two or the year before when it was Jameis and Marcus? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That is stressful. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk like, like just beginning of careers and all of them have restarts, hopefully Jameis shows earlier to get this little eye, laser eye surgery that he has nine days. What that <laughs> class gave me a bit more hope than I don't know, man, because it's not like Carson sucks. Carson doesn't suck, man. He just needs too much around him to go right, and he's soft. <laughs> angry Philly fan forever yeah no he, he doesn't suck but I just the way I kind of see it, it it's just kind of interesting because it's almost like the same class you got one quarterback who if he's surrounded right with all the right weapons a little bit turnover prone but you know he'll make some throws where you're like oh my god this is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen and then you got another guy who can get you far as long as he's in the right system and you know things are moving quickly and correctly for him one guy's like just based on coaching and one guy's kind of based on what's surrounding him but if it came down to it, I think I'd take the Jameis class too. I yeah. always like Mariota. I feel like – I still feel like maybe if we went – if he went somewhere and got like a little bit more of a shot, he might be able to produce. I don't think I he's like as he watched. He was before his time, man. Like if he yeah. had an offense – and I don't want to act like Tennessee didn't try to build around him because mm-hmm. Red Bull did, did. A, a, they did a damn good job trying to build a scheme around him then. But I don't know, man. Maybe if he had an offensive-minded head coach that was willing yeah. to Yeah. Who knows? You know, maybe he'll get another deal. Who knows? Jameis got it. We'll see what happens. And he's looked good in in limited time with the Raiders when he has, you know, been in. He looked good. Ran the ball on us well, of course, but, you know. He'll be a free agent this offseason after the Raiders trapped him. That I don't know if you heard ever heard about that. That was terrible, man. They basically made him take a pay cut and told him if he didn't take a pay cut, they would release him. But they waited until like the middle of free agency when basically every team had. Every I think team. I remember that. Yeah, I'm like that is horrible. That's so man. messed up, man. That's yeah. That's the gross part about the NFL, man. They just really use people to like this full extreme. But, anyways, bro, this was fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we really appreciate all your support. Rate, listen, subscribe, uh, leave comments, uh, tweet us. Uh, you know, Quell just uh, tweeted from the account asking what the weather was like in Philadelphia. We'd love some of your responses, you know, anything. But uh, as always, thank you, everybody, for all your support. Anything you got to say, bro? Yes, sir. Like, comment, subscribe. Go Birds. See you next Go week. Go Birds. <laughs>